Why You'll Never Be a Rapper, a memoir mixtape by Josh What's-His-Name Lefkowitz, forward by Fonte Coleman. Chapter 16. I'm not him. Rue and I worked hard on Jimmy Joshua for all of 2004, and as 2005 came, we worked even harder. We recorded song after song, I collaborated on any project I could with other rappers, and hit the gym regularly to improve my appearance. We devoted our lives to making our music dreams happen. It was fun, but it was lonely. All the while, I remembered Melvin telling me that in order to make it, I'd have to shed any attachments to relationships, car payments, or jobs so that I could be flexible and fully committed. I felt like I'd mostly reached that point, but because I still wasn't signed to a major, I began to have doubts, doubts that I managed to suppress. After what felt like years without any real break from the grind, Rue decided that we should take a vacation for his 28th birthday in July. We headed to South Beach and after arriving at the hotel, we did what any self-respecting tourist would do and hit the beach. As we laid silently in the sun, our bodies covered in as much sunblock as we could self-apply without having to ask the other one to rub lotion on us, I tried to relax for the first time. But all we could do was talk music, which we did for the first hour. I began to realize the juxtaposition of this paradise-like setting where we had traveled to relax and our constant strategizing. It was almost as if we no longer knew how to unwind. Yo, I said to Rue mid-sentence, have you noticed that we haven't stopped talking about music yet? We both laughed and agreed to initiate some mandatory quiet time. After all, the point of the vacation was to de-stress. So for the first time in close to a year and a half, we just stopped. We stopped talking, we stopped planning, and we stopped strategizing. I slowed down and curbed the hyperactive matrix code of ideas that ran through my head, the constant stream of new lyrics, songs, and ideas to make my music more relevant. Rue stopped trying to figure out how we could monetize our situation, how we could get our music to record labels, and what exactly he'd say when he got there. We both simply stopped. And as I came to, I began to notice the world around me. The warmth of the sun, the sound of the waves, the softness of the sand, and the severe burn developing in the section of my back that I couldn't reach because I was too straight to ask Rue to rub sunscreen on it. I could almost hear the wheels in my head slowing down as the seagulls flew over me making seagull noises. I heard kids laughing and kicking a beach ball. I could smell the sweet coconut scents from sunscreen and got lost in the salsa music that the Guayabera-clad Cuban men were playing on transistor radios just a few feet away. I loved it all, but when I realized that I was enjoying myself, I began to feel guilty, and then I was confused because I didn't understand it. We had been working so hard to figure out how to crack the music industry that I had let the hustle envelop me. When I laid down at night, it could take me hours to turn my brain off. My thoughts were always racing and it became apparent that perhaps I suffered from mild anxiety and that it could wreck my insides permanently. All the rap entrepreneurs in the game made it seem like the grind was normal and for the first time since I engulfed myself into my work, it occurred to me that perhaps it was unhealthy. I began psychoanalyzing myself. Where did this come from? Did other people's thoughts race like mine did? Was it a result of my parents' divorce which caught me completely by surprise because of how well they hid their issues? Shut up, man, I told myself. 
But then I realized that I could, in fact, control my mind. And at least temporarily, it felt okay. That night we relaxed. We smoked Cuban cigars, pounded Patron shots, and chased them with Heinekens. In an attempt to offset the alcohol, albeit far too late in the game, we ate like 12-year-old boys who were left alone in an Applebee's with their mother's Amex. Once the indulgence came to an end, our bodies decided we had had enough, mine more than Rue's. I puked my guts out all over South Beach and he had to hold me up to prevent me from falling into Ocean Drive. I'm fairly certain that at one point in the middle of the night, I prayed to God, out loud, to help me stop feeling like I did. I'm not sure if it worked, but I woke up the next afternoon feeling just fine. Thank goodness for youth. After a quick bite, we headed back to the beach where I laid tranquil. My mind was clear and I felt like myself again. It was at that point an idea struck me. Yo, we gotta do a mixtape! Rue agreed calmly while sitting up and squinting from the sun. I went on a five-minute rant about the songs we could use, what I'd record and why, and even gave him the title, I'm Not Him, The Mixtape. By the time I finished my soliloquy, I could see his enthusiasm was ignited, and I could almost see his thoughts racing from the expression on his face. Once it was clear what our next plans were, we laid back down silently. I expected further relaxation, but my rambling seemed to have restarted the matrix code in my brain. I couldn't shut it off. Rather than fight it though, I decided I'd let it rip in hopes that I'd get some mixtape ideas. But deep down, I was anxious. It didn't feel like excitement. I never admitted it to Rue, but I felt uneasy about my hyperactive thought pattern. Adding to the angst was the fact that I didn't understand how I wasn't bothered by it before this trip. It was like I had bitten my lip and kept focusing on the swollen area in my mouth. Maybe it was some deep psychological damage from my childhood that made me feel a bit dejected. Or maybe it was that I was 28 years old and didn't have much more time left to cling to the idea of, I'm going to be a rapper when I grow up. I decided the best course of action was to suppress the uncertainty and just move on. I had to, right? right, right, right. The mixtape planning process started from the second a return flight to LaGuardia left the runway. Because we didn't have any immediate plans to release an album, the mixtape would serve as the perfect vehicle for all the music I had been stockpiling for the last few years. Mixtapes were great because they didn't have to be overthought or overcalculated. They were a collage of random songs that helped to show the listeners whatever it was you wanted to show them without having to conform or worry about hit records, commercial radio, or impressing record label honchos. I was looking to show the world that I had a range of good music with good beats and good lyrics. With a Delta Airlines pen on the back of a Sky Mall magazine and my what's-his-name iPod playlist that contained a bevy of my recordings, I began figuring out how much music I had ready to go for the mixtape and how much I had left to record. I wanted to make sure that I was following the mixtape standard set by 50 Cent in the early stages of his rise to superstardom by having a 50-50 song-to-freestyle ratio. In the mixtape world, a freestyle was considered any random verse or song that a rapper would record to another rapper's instrumental. It was a good way for unsigned rappers to show what kind of songwriting range they had by displaying their lyrical skills over a familiar beat. Because the average listener only paid attention to songs forced down their throats by commercial radio, it was tough to get proper consideration when you were using beats that were unfamiliar to the average listener's ear. By using a beat they knew, you could grab the attention of people whose simpleton minds would go, yes, I am familiar with this music, so I guess that means I like it. 
That way, your lyrics and your voice, however unfamiliar, could execute a sneak attack. Once you roped them in, you could proceed with your original songs because they'd be familiar with your voice from the last freestyle. It was a sneaky, deliberate strategy just to get the average listener to listen, but such is life as an unsigned rapper. I already had songs like Capital W, The Ski Produced Never, and The Dubes Produced FTS. I'd recently recorded Give It To You, Back Then, and Come Together with Melvin, as well as Three Reasons To Die featuring Big Daddy Kane. That one was a few years old, but come on, it featured Big Daddy Kane. I had done a freestyle for DJ Ski High for his new mixtape over Lloyd Banks' Warrior instrumental that I figured I could use on mine as well. I knew our CDs would probably fall on different sets of ears and I could edit his name out of it. All I would need would be an additional four or five freestyles over the most relevant beats on the radio and I'd be all set. I also figured that the logical route would be to use Southern beats so I could drive home the point that I too was from the South, the region du jour in rap music. I didn't really have a Southern accent, but I was willing to try. The South was finally winning the unofficial rap civil war. It was time for me to use anything I had to include myself on the winning team so that labels would feel like they had at least one reason to sign me. For the next week, I brainstormed while paying attention to the songs on the radio and videos on MTV and BET. Then with the help of the internet, I created a nice beat playlist for myself. I spent every free moment coming up with verses, choruses, and songs, writing them in the notes section of my phone. Once I had four or five songs ready to go, I made my way back to the studio and knocked them all out in less than two hours. I was like a man possessed, and I considered this mixtape to be the equivalent of my first album. After all, I had never released more than one or two songs at a time. It was time to show the world that I could hold my own consistently for an album's worth of material. Any good mixtape started with an intro. For mine, I called anyone I knew with clout in the music industry and had them leave a message on my voicemail. Kane's message was classic, and though I wasn't particularly fond of him at the time, I had Ninth Wonder leave a message as well. At that point, I had no qualms with using anyone's growing reputation to boost mine. After all, it was the music industry way. I got a message from DJ Polo, who was a good friend and legendary DJ from NC, as well as up-and-coming artist Twip, who was starting to make some noise in the industry. To fully play up the quasi-sex symbol shtick, I had three female friends call and act like I wouldn't call them back. A little misogynistic in retrospect, but I was a rapper. I had to do what I had to do. I got BroRap to host the mixtape to make it sound official. He had been my DJ for as long as he had owned turntables, and he was my friend. His crew, the Butted team, had always helped to expose my records as best as they could, and I appreciated them immensely. I would have asked him to be a part of the tape had he been on his own, but his crew's pursuit of music industry involvement only helped his presence make more sense. For intentional Southern flavoring, I used beats from David Banner's Crank It Up, Little Scrappy's No Problems, and Little Flip's Sunshine to make sure that the need-to-hear cats in the music industry knew I wasn't just a lyrical miracle spiritual backpack rapper. As each song and freestyle transitioned into the next one, BroRap gave shoutouts to my cohorts and his and screamed out song titles. For the cover, I had the idea to flip the whatchamacallit candy bar to say what's his name. It was some hip-hop shit, but looking back, it was sorta corny. Rue dug it, so he placed an initial order of 1,000 CDs for starters. We never intended to sell the product, only to get it in as many hands as possible. We wanted to create the buzz. 
Rue decided that it made more sense for him to do most of the hand-to-hand distribution, which I didn't dispute. In New York City, there's a huge stigma about rappers trying to sell you their CDs on the street. They're always in touristy areas, startling young white kids and tourists screaming, Yo fam, you like hip-hop? I think the strategy is to scare $5 out of them, and it probably works. We wanted to make sure that I never looked like a yo fam you like hip-hop rapper, so Rue got on his grind, hitting up barbershops uptown, clothing stores downtown, and anything in between. On trips to North Carolina, we each make our rounds, dropping CDs off to local DJs, music heads, and anyone else who wanted one. The buzz was starting just as we had planned. As I'm Not Him, the mixtape circulated, I was busy writing and recording for the next move. My creativity flourished and even escalated. As my new music portfolio began to grow, I decided we should follow up the mixtape with a second volume. Rue thought it was a logical move. When he inquired about how long it would take me to record enough material, I found enjoyment in the fact that I was in a prolific phase. Don't you worry, little guy, I told him, and went on to bang out enough new material for a second release in just over a month's time. I knew I'd have to be ready to work when I got signed to a major label, so this was good practice. The confidence I was building in myself also meant confidence for Rue. I was convinced that I was great, which convinced him that I was too. So when we released I'm Not Him The Mixtape Volume 2, we were both feeling like this all made sense. Rather than using my back catalog as I did on Volume 1, Volume 2 was all new material. The original songs were fresher and more relevant, and I fleshed out my so-called freestyles, spitting random verses over instrumentals for full-blown remakes. Anyone could write a verse, but I could write a song, and I intended to stress that through my music, even if it was on someone else's beat. I played what I intended to release as the mixtape for Rue, and he loved it. Then he told me his idea to remake Jay-Z's Dear Summer and call it Dear Industry. I loved the idea so much that I downloaded the instrumental that day and wrote the song in just a few hours. I knew it had to close the tape, so I recorded it before we sent the CD out for duplication. Where Hove wrote a love letter to the season where he always released his music and let it be known that he was retiring for corporate America, I poured my heart out to the industry that I longed to be a part of and was making me feel like I was stuck in the friend zone. Look, I know that you don't love me, but we belong together like Mariah, baby, trust me, like bathing apes with a matching baked tea, or like summertime with a banging AC, me and you could be happier than pigs and shit, if you just stop being such a bitch for real, it's about time we had this talk, come with me, yo, let's take this walk, dear industry, for 10 years I've been into thee, high pursuit of getting you into me, I mean me getting into you, getting into do. What God put me on this earth to do I mean, I did a couple shows Opened up for whoever Just to get the chance of us to be together Look, I told you I know that you don't love me But I don't really love you either I'm just saying I need to Get with you for a couple years Frustration shed a couple tears Well, all that's over Heard you did the same thing to Hover Had his ass in the streets Till you finally let him rap to your beats But all that's irrelevant You made him president He'll probably want to sign me after this Of course, it's evident Then I can finally have my way with you Pass you off to rule Let him slay you too Come on now You know that that's my man Business partner, best friend, manager And Jimmy Joshua, that's the fam We in this together like rapping saran like gap and khaki pants damn 
industry, you mean so much. Why we have to touch? I'm so tempted, I meant it. When I told you, you prevented a whole damn lot of opportunities. Why you screwing me? Basically, bitch, you done ruined me. Excuse my French, but the shit's gotten too intense, and it don't make sense. I mean, I could have been a doctor, a lawyer, but since middle school, I've adored you. Tried a long time to ignore you, but I just couldn't. Tried to move on, my heart just wouldn't. Heard you fucking with little brother now. I ain't jealous. They got some hot shit Plus I really like them fellas And they deserve you But I think I've earned you too And I don't mind no sloppy seconds from poo Yo Tay, yo, you don't mind, right? Industry's the love of my life And yo, I'm trying to get with her tonight So now I pour my heart out And tell you that I'm fond of you That's why I had to write a song for you Dear Industry Listen here, Industry, baby I just believe it's the right thing to do I mean, me and you been playing this game for what, like 10 years now? And I'm really ready for us to be together for real. And I'm willing to forgive and forget all the hell you put me through. So if you ready like I'm ready, let's get it poppin'. I love you, baby. And yo, we just getting started, and that's for sure. Now it's time to let this love thing mature and more. I swear that I'ma be with you to the end. I hope you show the same love to my friend. Dear industry, 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 industry.